Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 151 of the podcast that was originally recorded on March 7th of 2017. Some of the games I played this week got in a good game of Arkham Horror LCG, and it was not a solo game. Played a little bit New York Slice, actually played this a few weeks ago, but talked about it today. Played a little Clank, utilizing the app that Renegade has out there, which is spectacular. Also played a little game of Histrio. I also talked about a few of the things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to episode 151 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. What I'm playing now is our guild name on Twitter. You can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And last but not least, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. All right, let's jump into a few of the things I've played this past week. And one of the games is actually a game I played a couple of weeks ago. Some of these games I have played here with my wife. She's actually been under the weather lately. So the podcast is a couple days late, which I apologize for, but I am able to get a podcast in this week. And we're going to talk about some really good games here. First thing I wanted to talk about the Arkham Files Investigators of Cleveland, which is a Facebook group that I had created. If you're interested in any of the Arkham Files games from Fantasy Flight, please join us over on Facebook. We can have some conversations over there on some of those games, including the Arkham Horror LCG, Eldritch Horror, Arkham Horror, Mansions of Madness, or anything else that falls under that whole Arkham Files line that Fantasy Flight has or Fantasy Flight has put out. Uh, I met up with some people down at my local game store on Sunday, which is replacing my Pathfinder group. And we are trying to get some people together to play the Arkham Horror LCG to start off with. I know that I have a couple of people already in the works and in the in the wings waiting to play some Mansions of Madness. So we may be doing that in the next month or so once we can find a good time for that. But I wanted to spend the first couple of get-togethers um, meeting up and trying to get through some of the Arkham Horror LCG. This past Sunday was the first time where I've actually played with more than just a single player, the solo game, like I have been doing myself lately. And I will say playing with multiple people, the game is a lot of fun. Solo, it's a lot of fun too. I can't, I can't complain that the solo game isn't that bad. The playing um, Arkham Horror LCG solo is pretty good, but when you do have other people in your party that are able to play the character, and you're not trying to either play multiple characters or just trying to concentrate on your the one character, which can sometimes get a little difficult when you're going up against things that your character may not be well rounded for. Um, it can get a little tricky, but we had a great time. We actually just played through the first, I guess you could call it kind of like the intro scenario. Um, the guy that I was playing with, Kevin, who is one of the people from my actual Pathfinder group, um, decided to come up. This is a game he's been interested in learning. So I sat down, taught him how to play, and it was easy teaching him how to play considering he knows the Pathfinder card game so well. I just got him up to 
speed on some of the different verbiage that's used, some of the different icons that are utilized in the Arkhamora LCG, and we were able to knock out the first scenario and had a great time doing it. We were actually successful. I don't think we made too, too many mistakes. We might have made one or two, um, but considering I've only played the game a handful of times myself, and I'm still trying to just wrap my head around all the rules that encompass this LCG, and this being my first LCG, um, I'm having a good time with it so far, so I can't wait to go back up there in uh, probably about a week and a half now or so and get some more Arkham Horror goodness in and continue on with the campaign. And then one of the games I had actually played a couple of weeks ago down at my local game store, I can't remember if it was a Monday or Thursday night that we had played this. I forgot to talk about it on the last podcast, so I just kind of bumped it ahead to this one. And that's a newer game called New York Slice. Now, this is actually a remake or a re-implementation, I guess you could say, of an older game from 2008 called Piece of Cake. New York Slice, as you can probably guess from the name, is pizza-based. And I will say that just the whole representation of the game and the presentation of the box, the rules and everything is pretty much spot on. And when you see this game on your stores, on your local game store shelf, you will just get a kick out of it. The box looks like a pizza box. When you open it up, the rules are in the form of an actual menu. There are a bunch of pizza tiles on there, which look really like pieces of pizza. And then there are some other cards on there called Today's Special, which will be utilized during the game. So what you're going to be doing in New York Slice, and this is, to me, it's kind of like um, a set collection game. On um, Board Game Geek, they actually have one of the mechanisms as auction and bidding, which I guess there is a little bit of that in the game as well with some of those Today's Special cards that you'll be using. But we had a full game of six players playing this game. And what we did was we took all the pieces of pizza, divided them up into um, an equal number of stacks. I think it was one for each player around the table. And what's going to happen is on a player's turn, they are going to take one of those stacks of pizzas and they're going to flip them over and basically create a pizza and put different tiles together next to each other, how they see fit. And then they're going to divide the pizza up into enough pieces or I guess you could say sets to where everybody around the table will be able to take one including themselves they will grab one of the today's special cards flip it over read it to everybody and then put that on one of the sets of pizzas and then going clockwise around the table to the left of whoever just put out the pizza they're going to start taking these sets of pizzas and putting them in front of them that user or that player will be able to do one of two things. They can either eat the pizza and flip it face down, um, and they will score based on the pieces of pepperoni that are on that actual slice. Or if there is anchovies on the slice, they will actually not take any negative effects from the anchovy because each piece of anchovy on a slice of pizza is a minus one at the end of the game if you had not eaten that. So play is going to go around. Everybody's going to get their shot at building a pizza, putting the pieces how they possibly see fit, and then splitting up all the different pieces into different sets. So you could possibly put maybe three pieces of pizza in one set, maybe put a piece of anchovy and a couple of pieces of pepperoni over there. And there's the, the, the thing that the players are trying to do is they're trying to 
set collect for the pizzas and all the different pizzas will have numbers on them. I believe they're numbered from, I don't know if they're numbered from one to 10 or not. Um, I believe it might be four to 10 is what they were numbered for. And what the numbers on those pizza means is the number four on the bottom of the piece of pizza actually means that there's four slices of pizza in the whole game that will be like that. So for set collection, if you can collect the majority of that number of pizza, you will get those points at the end of the game. So while there might be a grab to try to get the most number 10 slices of pizza, keep in mind that there is 10 pieces out there that have the number 10 on there and trying to get the majority of those might be a little trickier than going for some of the lower numbers that you could possibly obtain in a couple of rounds of play rather than trying to get a 10 slice of pizza on everybody's turn. So there's a lot of different things you really got to be thinking about when you're playing through the game. And the today's special cards can really throw in some different twists in there because there there could be a today's special where, that you could use at a later point where you could possibly jump ahead of everybody else and actually get to choose your pizza before everybody else. And they just throw some really, really nice twists in there. So when the player who is the, 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 I guess you could say the first player, the one who's making the pizza, when they're actually using those today's special cards and putting those down onto the different sets, they really want to think, is this a card that is going to possibly benefit somebody or is it going to you know cause somebody some possible harm and they want to possibly put those on the different sets that could be you know good or bad so if it's a if it's a bad card they may want to put that on a good set of pizza if it's a good card they may want to put that on a couple of pieces of pizza that have anchovies on there to kind of you know kind of make up for giving somebody a good card so like I was saying, there's kind of, you know, a lot of things you got to think about when you're playing the game. Very easy. It's a very easy game to teach, very easy game to learn, very easy to catch up on. I mean, I think we had this game learned in probably about five to seven minutes by the time we kind of went over the rules and it was just explained real quick what was going on. And we started playing and everybody had a really good time. Everybody liked it. I will say I'm not too sure how this game would play with two players it does say it plays with two to six i have a feeling this is definitely a game that would probably play best with four to six at as probably a good player count i really don't know how it would play with two players i think it would be kind of there, there really just wouldn't be just enough competition for things i think um, unless if there is a two-player role variant, which I did not read the rules and there possibly could be, but nobody had mentioned those while we were playing. So, but a couple of us were talking afterwards and we could, we, we were all mentioning, you know, we're not too sure how good this would be at lower count, but at a higher player count, this game is definitely a really fun one. It could be a great filler in between games or what we've been trying to do down at the local game store is uh, most of the people possibly don't show up until between 5.30, 6 o'clock. So some of us who get there between 5 and 6, we usually like to pull out, you know, like a quick filler that we can maybe get you know, get in and maybe knocked out before the rest of the majority of the group shows up to where we can get into some meatier and heavier games. And this is one of those games that fits within that perfect, you know, half hour type of time frame that you would possibly need to knock out at the beginning of a night or possibly at the end of the night. If you played a heavier style game and, you know, you have about half hour to 45 minutes before you want to take off from your store, um, you know, it could possibly fit in there as well. But we had a good time with it. I liked it. 
Don't know if I will be adding it to my collection, mainly because of the player count. I don't do a lot of party games here at my house. It's normally just me and the wife. So something that really doesn't fit just that two-player, you know, aspect to it. Not really too sure how good that would be for our collection, but still a good game nonetheless. New York Slice, check it out, and don't eat any of the components when you're playing it. All right, and then my wife and I actually got in another game of Clank. I've talked about Clank multiple times in the past several months. Clank was, I believe, the top was the number three game, actually, in my top ten games of 2016 for last year. And my wife and I revisited Clank mainly because I wanted to get a game of Clank in to utilize with the app. There's been a lot of questions on a lot of some of the different Facebook groups I'm in where people are asking about Clank or asking about good two-player games or deck builders. And I always mention Clank or if somebody mentions Clank, I go out there and try to mention, hey, you know, don't forget that there's actually an app out there that Renegade has and it's called the Renegade app. And they actually have a Clank component now to their app. So if you download the Renegade app, you'll see that there are three different components to it, three different sections. One of it being Fuse, and I believe that was what the app was originally written for. It's a timer for their card game Fuse, which I've talked about in a previous podcast as well, which I had a really good time with and really enjoyed. But you'll find components for Fuse, Clank, and I believe Lanterns. So we wanted to try the Clank app just to see what it added to the game and what type of difference it brought to the game. And I will say, wow, if you like playing on the advanced board and you think you've played the advanced board enough and you've kind of mastered it and you want something that's a little bit maybe trickier and a little bit more challenging, definitely add in the Clank app and get ready for some great randomness to happen because that is exactly what the Clank app does to Clank. So when we started out, it actually tells you what two secret tiles to remove from the game. And, and I'm talking about the larger secret tokens. So rather than it being random, it tells you which numbered tiles to actually remove from the game. It also has a really nice scoring component to it at the end of the game. You can, it, you know, it will actually, at the beginning of the game, you're picking out which characters are actually going to be playing. And at the end, you can just tally up everybody's score, type it right into the app, and then it tells you who won, gives some little victory music and everything, which I thought was really super cool. But in playing the game, the biggest component to the app is, as you start off, there are going to be three random things that will pop up in the app. And I believe my wife and I had... Um, a component or a section of the app that said whenever you enter in one of the crystal caves click here and something could happen whenever you purchase one whenever you purchase something from the market or whenever you pick up one of the major secrets i think it was and i can't remember if it was the major secrets or the artifacts that kicked off the third part but basically there's going to be three different times that are three different components to the game which are going to signify when you should press on that particular button on the app and something random could happen it could say every player you know gains two clank so you'd have to throw two clank in there um or and there's just a bunch of random things that could possibly happen that the app throws at you and it's just a really interesting twist and just a little bit kind of different of a component to the game that can just add a little bit more a bit of randomness to it that I won't say that the game needed, 
but is actually really exciting and fun because you never know what's going to happen. And there were a couple of times where we hit the app and nothing happened. And we were like, oh, did the app break or something? But then when we ran into the next time where we had to hit it, something happened. So it's it's completely random as to when possibly something could happen with the app. And it's going to be completely random as far as what will happen once something does actually come forward within the app. So I think that's actually pretty cool. I was really excited about it. I hadn't even realized that the that they had added Clank to the app at first. I think I had seen it, seen somebody else mention it on Board Game Geek or something that, you know, the app had been expanded and had it on there. And I didn't have the Renegade app downloaded since I don't own Fuse the game, but I downloaded it immediately after that and started playing around with it. And I will say that great implementation. I think this adds just a little bit more randomness to Clank, which can just make the game just that much more fun once you've played the game quite a bit with just the base or the advanced set several times and you're ready for just a little bit more adventure in Clank. So I believe that the expansion for Clank is also going to be coming out this month. Hopefully I will be getting that as soon as possible. We're going to get that to the table and I cannot wait to talk about the expansion that's coming out for Clank. So we're going to be talking about Clank here more in the next several podcasts, so just get ready for that. But if you haven't played Clank with the app yet, definitely go check out the Renegade app that they have out on the Google Play Store or on the iOS Store and give it a shot. Definite thumbs up from me. I really had a good time with it. All right, and then the last game that my wife and I actually got to the table this past week was a game that I picked up for her around Christmas time, and it's a little game called Histrio. History, I would consider a kind of programming and kind of a hand management mechanics are in there. Board Game Geek has a few other mechanics listed under under the listing of the game. This game is a good game. I This game probably would not be in my top 10 or anything for the year or anything, but I will say my wife and I had a good time with it, and we really enjoyed it. We haven't played too many programming games between between us. I've played several, but I will say that this game actually worked really well, even with two players and even having to use what I guess we can refer to as kind of like dummy players or assistants, um, since you kind of know what their movements are going to be in the game. Because you need to play with these when you're playing a two-player game. So it is kind of like a variant to the actual way you would normally play the game when you're playing with two players. But I will say that the two-player variant worked out very well. We didn't have a problem with it. So let's jump into a little bit of how you play the game and how the game is set up and everything. Set up on the game is very easy. You're going to shuffle the cards. Make sure each player has their eight travel cards, their caravels, which are kind of like their ships that you're going to be using to move around, and three stage managers. Um, you're going to flip one of the coins in the game, which is called an Iku. And the game comes with this 3D-style stage that has a whole mechanic to it that spins around between the, the king's feelings... Or I guess I should say the king's mood more than feelings between tragedy and comedy. And the stage, when I put this thing together, it's it's completely crazy that, you know, what is basically just kind of like a, a little dial type thing is made into this whole 3D piece of the game. And that kind of like just takes the game to like, it really draws you in and it, it, it just really adds to the game the way they did this whole stage piece. So flipping the coin is going to have you put either the needle on one of the two central spots being to the tragedy or comedy side. 
And setup is very easy because what you're going to do is you're going to place one encounter card underneath each of the cities that is on kind of like what I would call the game board that's going to be out in the center of the table. And once you have one card under each, underneath each of those, you're pretty much ready to play. On your turn, you're going to do a couple of different things. Each player is going to choose a travel card. This card will match one of the different cities that is on the board. And the thing that needs to be stressed here is you're looking to collect the cards that are contained within that city. And as the rounds progress, and I believe there's going to be about six or so rounds per season of the game, and there's going to be two different seasons, but when you're when you're looking at which city you want to go to and which cards you're going to want to take, one, you can only go to a city once before you have to try to get all of your cards back and remove your caravels from the board. So if you have a caravel at, let's say, city two, your card for the city two is already in play and basically is off to the side. Until you get that card back, you're not going to be able to revisit that city at a later time. So that's something you really want to try to watch out for. And it's something you possibly, you know, may not be able to know which cards are going to be coming up into that city. So going there early may not be the best thing, but you don't know that early in the game. So you have to go somewhere. So the other thing you need to watch out for is as you're playing through the game. And like I said, we were playing through a two player game. Each of us basically had two decks of cards. We kind of had our dummy deck. Um, off to the side and then our deck of cards the first thing each of us would do is draw a card from the dummy deck and we know where that particular character you know which is our ally is going to go so we know to avoid that spot because we're no we're not we know we're not going to be able to get the cards if we go there because our ally is actually going there so i was i would know what my ally is going my wife would know where her ally is going but we don't know where each other's ally is going and we don't know where each other is going and there were a lot of times that my wife and i were playing we kept picking the same city to try to go to and when you when there's more than one player at a city nobody gets those cards and those cards actually changes the mood of the king to either the comedy or tragedy side based on the cards that are ba are there. And what you're trying to do in the game is you're trying to basically set collect and get a majority of the cards that you think the king's mood will be in at the end of the season. So if you think that the king is going to have a go, going to be way on to the comedy side, you're going to want to collect as many of the comedy actors as you can from the different cities to be able to score the most points during the scoring phase of the end of the season. And that's kind of a gist of the whole game. So like I said, you're going to choose your travel cards. We were also choosing our ally cards. Everybody's going to reveal their cards. And then you're going to place the caravels, which are your little ships, onto the appropriate card. And then from left to right, you're going to resolve all the actions. Like I said, if there's only one player present in a city, that player will basically get to take the actors and acrobats that are at that city. And the acrobats are going to be different cards that can be utilized once per season. And they can give you a really good bonus or a really good action if you can get them and, and use them. 
One of the optional things you can do if you're taking multiple acrobats or if you're just taking one acrobat, you can actually discard an acrobat or discard an actor that's in front of you or a card that you just took. Um, and that can actually change the king's mood. So if you have a lot of tragedy actors in front of you and the king's mood has changed over to comedy, you may want to discard one of your tragedy actors to try to move him back to tragedy. But then while you're doing that, you're also deterring and taking away from your end game scoring, or not your end game scoring, but your end season scoring. So you really need to have a good balance between possibly removing cards from play to be able to move the king's mood around and be able to actually have the highest amount of cards in front of you at that end of the season for scoring. After everybody's kind of gone through and played all their cards, there is going to be a, you're going to flip over a card from the deck, from the encounter deck, and basically put one on each city again. One of the other things that actually happens is if there's two players that had gone to the same city, we're going to back up here a second real quick. If there's two players that had gone to the same city, those cards are discarded. Like I mentioned, they actually change the king's mood. Each player then, and the ally players don't get to do this, but each actual real player, they get to take a card from the secret request deck. And the secret request deck will come into play at the end of the first season and at the end of the game. If you can get a really good secret request at that first season, it also carries over into the second season. So you can only have, from, from my understanding, you can only have two secret requests out in front of you at the end of the game. The card that you played during that first season, then you'll get to play one at the end of the second season as well. So if you can get a really nice scoring secret request out in that first season like my wife did and she was able to capitalize on that in the second season as well that was pretty much how she beat me in this game <laughs> so after you're done with all of that stuff you're going to do once all the cards in the event deck are have or the encounter deck have been gone through you're going to do end season scoring and then you're basically going to take all the cards shuffle them back up and any of the city cards that have been played you don't get back until you actually pick up one of the cards that has the icon on there that lets you or until you're down to actually one card left in your deck so if i was to play seven of the eight cards if i had one of those cards left at the end of that during that at the end of that turn i would get to take all of my cards back and all my caravels back to where i would actually be able to then visit all of the cities again so that's pretty much a gist of kind of how you're playing the game. And I will say my wife, and I really liked it. Like I said at the beginning of the talk for this one, this game definitely isn't going to be probably in anybody's top 10 for games, but it's still a good game. The presentation of the game with that 3D stage is just great. The plastic, the plastic, you know, coins in the game, well, they may be a little hard to see, you know, see the the king on there whether he's smiling or frowning they're still actually still pretty cool being nice plastic coins the cards are a good card stock and the components in the game are just really cool playing the game we had a great time playing the two-player variant like i said there was nothing wrong using those ally players that we had to utilize to kind of balance the game out and make it work for us. I'd like to play the game with three or four players and not have to maybe use one of those allies. So uh, I believe my 
local game store actually has this game down in their library. So now that I know how to play it, I may pull it out sometime and actually try to teach it to a couple of people. It's not a very long game. You can probably knock the game out with three to four people, probably in just over an hour with a little bit of uh, rules explanation. The rules are, like I said, are pretty straightforward, very easy to pick up on. The iconography that's on the cards, you can look up real quick and just tell everybody what the different pictures on the cards mean. So try to collect the actors, try to get a couple of good secret requests in for endgame scoring, and you can have a great time with Histrio like we did. Check this game out if you haven't. It was a pretty good one. Try to get it to the table. All right, that's it. Those are the games I played for the week, and here are a few of the games that I want to play. One of the things I picked up last week at my local game store was a little game called Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, the board game. This game came out. Buffy is, I guess you can say, a little guilty pleasure of mine. When I unboxed the game and started pulling out some of the components and punching it, my wife was like, what's that game about? I said, kind of quietly under my breath, it's a co-op. And she just said, oh, it's Buffy. I'll play it, but I'm not going to like it. And I was like, I know. I know she doesn't like co-ops, but we're still going to try to get that one to the table. Then there was another little game that I had noticed on Board Game Geek or maybe in one of the Facebook groups that I saw this past week, a little game called Terra Mystica Gaia Project. It looks like they are going to be releasing a new game based on Terra Mystica, which is a game that I've talked about, oh, in a long ago in a podcast far, far away. I think it was an early podcast I talked about ter playing Terra Mystica, which I enjoyed. Um, Gaia Project, though, appears to be they're taking this game and putting it into the space realm, and it's going to be a space game based on planets. So I think that would be kind of cool. We're kind of looking forward to playing that one. That one looks fun. And then, of course, I'm also looking forward to playing a lot more Arkham Horror LCG and getting in some more of these scenarios and some more of the single, single scenarios that are out there. Right now, I actually have two core sets. I want to start building some more of the characters from some of the different sets and actually seeing what I can create other than just playing with some of the starter decks, which is what I've been using so far. So I want to get into my own deck building for that. But that could be a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast. So I think that's going to be it for this week, everybody. Thanks for joining me. And you know what to do. Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join me over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild, guild number 2440 for some conversations on some of the games that I'm playing or you're playing. Follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now is our Twitter name on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus dot google.com slash the plus sign what i'm playing now podcast and as always our twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what i'm playing now thanks for joining me for another week of the podcast everybody hope you enjoyed it until then you know what to do go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now until next week have a great week i'll be back next week with more games played and some more conversations about what i'm playing now have a great one everybody we'll talk to you later thanks a lot Bye bye